welcome to Chats the Television Podcast, Season 9, Better Off Chats. My name is Alan, and I'm joined by a guy who loves opposite over-adjacent angles. It's Magellan. Hey, I just, you know... I really thought something would come to me. Did you say anything there? I thought the call dropped, and I was no, no, no. (laughs) It just went silent. That's awesome. It's silence. Yeah, Uh, yeah. You know, I think the thing about opposite angles as opposed to adjacent is, uh, you you just know more about them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Do you mind if I over explain my own joke here? Okay. So in the episode. Uh, yeah. I believe it's Phil and or Lem who says, uh, you know, he's like the angle opposite the hypotenuse. He's always right. Right. Um, opposite over adjacent is tangents. So you love tangents because you talk on the podcast. You say good words good. And if I loved adjacent over opposite, that's not even, that's not even a thing. Magellan. That's a, the cotangent. Magellan. Right? What? In the math version of Seinfeld, who plays uh, Kramer? <laughs> Adjacent to Alexander. Not Kramer. Uh, the other guy. Oh, oh I Perry. thought the joke was Seinfeld, like S-I-N-E. Oh, my God. It's called Seinfeld, and he's adjacent to Alexander. <laughs> That's good. Co-sign-mo Kramer? This joke's That's in it. There's good. Definitely That's this good. Joke's. That's good. That's good. You can explore a lot more of trigonometry to get some more to get some more words out of there like secant <laughs> somebody's a secant yeah the secant nazi <laughs> i can't <laughs> i try so hard listener every week i do my absolute darnest to just get one good la- real laugh out of my job that's my entire success as a podcaster what's I've elaine, gone elaine's like three. last name elaine bennis bennis Uh, it's like me saying penis (laughs) there's something in that but i don't have the vocabulary is he really welcome it's bennis bennis it's bennis bennis oh man welcome to better off chats everybody it's the show where we watch two episodes of better off ted every week and uh and this week is no different we did it. We watched two episodes of Better Off Ted. You can there, keep doing the intro. I've there's nothing weird me. about this week whatsoever, Majel. No, but thank you for teeing <laughs> up the intro for me. Yeah, um, we're just hey recording guys. this on a normal Tuesday, right before the Sunday that it comes out. Mm-hmm. And if you somehow determine what's particular about this Tuesday uh, that's adding to our sense of maybe delirium and loopiness, you know, that just means you're a good detective. You're paying attention. Yeah. I'm proud of you. Um, yeah, we watched two episodes of, uh, we watched two episodes of Better Off Ted. They are season one, episodes 11 and 12, Father, Can You Hear Me? and Jabberwocky. We'll be joined by a guest for Jabberwocky, but first, we're talking about episode 11, Father, Can You Hear Me? This episode was written by Michael Glauberman. It was directed by Michael Fresco. It's Big Mike. Mike and Mike make a mic or something. <laughs> Michael and Michael have issues. Directed by... Oh, I said that. It, <laughs> it originally aired July 21st, 2009. And Majon, can you please tell me what happened in this episode? In this episode, Veronica has an awkward reconciliation with her father after she finds out that he has a year to live. And Ted wants Phil and Lem to rush testing for a hair-growing formula so he can give it to his dad for his birthday. Alan, what do you think of Father Can You Hair Me? I, um, 
I'm not sure exactly. I'm sure we're going to, I mean, I am sure that we're going to work through it here, but this episode's like set up and the Veronica dad stuff, I think I had higher expectations for than the episode lived up to, but the rest of it is like a serviceable, better off Ted episode. You know, it hits all the beats and we learned about everybody's parents, which I didn't think I cared about at all. Um, Usually daddy and mommy issues are reserved for like teens to mid twenties uh in tv but now we have a bunch of 30 and 40 year old adults who are like my dad never loved me (laughs) and that's its own whole box of turnips um which i think you know leads again to some really good comedy but um i I just wanted a little bit more and sometimes better off ted's commitment to not being overly sincere is refreshing um but also kind of tiring you know what i mean Mm -hmm. tell me more so i mean veronica and her father uh is that sort of the a plot of the episode right her dad comes back he we learned that the two of them compete with each other in their businesses by stealing each other's ideas and it's this sort of wonderful parental game of cat and mouse where they they steal folders and they take pictures of stuff illegally and and then they put their ideas to market before the other person does and that's their their game it makes sense that Veronica grew up in a competitive environment where she's told that she's not good enough all the time and has to fight for it. Um, but he tells her eventually that he's dying. And you think that this is going to be the moment where Veronica almost cracks a little bit and becomes like a human being. Um, but again, the show commits to being like, no, it's sort of like she is a person, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think what you can sort of draw from this episode is a somewhat cynical uh interpretation of like your adult relationship with your parents and i think there's some shows that you know might go for the more hopeful thing of like you can forge a new relationship and this show is going for more like yeah it's sort of set in stone it is what it is and the characters kind of like come to terms with that in this episode in a way that i think has a sort of you know reaffirmingness or hopefulness to it but um but yet is kind of cynical at its core i think which is maybe what what we're feeling in this particular plot yeah because what we're learning from everybody else's parent plots is that even as adults your your upbringing really does define a lot of who you are what your values are like what kind of person you grew up to be um, and we see in each of these people, like, why they're driven, why they are rebellious. In the case of Linda, like, all this stuff. Um, Phil and Lem having, like, different views of their parents. Uh, I think that stuff is really great. But, again, with uh, with uh, Veronica's dad, um, I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed it. I did sincerely think that their sort of cat and mouse is fun. And I'm not suggesting that I wanted them to actually hug it out. I think this is the sincere version of of their reconciliation, right? Is one last mm-hmm. one last grift on her dad. Yeah, uh, I think what they sort of come to terms with is like uh their their father-daughter relationship is not like what might be a sort of typical um ideal of a father-daughter relationship, but it's actually ideal for them and mm-hmm. you know, you the in that final moment Ted's narration is like, "Oh, Veronica had decided what relationship she wants with her father and it was up to him to see if he wanted it too or whatever and so she lays out the bait for him to steal an idea and and screws him over and that kind of affirms that like this is just what works for them 
it's not necessarily what you, the viewer, might consider a particularly healthy relationship, but it's what keeps them connected to each other in a way that's genuine for them. Right. And the fact that I'm like, oh, my God, that's such a like unfortunate relationship just comes from the fact that I've seen uh, a harmful parental relationships in real life. And so like seeing it there, you're like, this is probably bad that you guys like are, are actively fighting against each other, but it motivates both of them and they're both into it. So in a way, it's good. In a way, it's healthy to them. And so Ted sees that and he says, man, I really wish I had a stable relationship with my dad and like becomes this woe is me character of I just want to impress my dad. Why do I want to impress him? Um, and we get some flashbacks to his sort of his backstory, um, all framed exactly the same way where it's a kid presenting his dad with something. And then the dad is like head under uh, some pipes. He's, he's a, his father is a plumber um, and he's never impressed. Uh, it's kind of pretty, it's pretty dated of an idea that plumbers aren't like successful men. Cause sort of the joke here is that like Ted is bringing home his MBA. Hey, shout outs to him. Uh, hmm. he's bringing home like all these big jobs and he's like, I'm so successful. And his dad's like, when are you going to learn to work, to work with piping? And hmm. you know, sort of the irony there is that plumbers don't make a lot of money, which is untrue, which is like patently untrue. Plumbers are highly successful, but I think he's still playing in the space of like, you know, the plumber is the big tubby guy who works under the sink and then gets paid a million dollars or gets like paid <laughs> something, you know? Yeah. I think it's, it was an odd choice to me to make his dad a plumber because I think, I guess what they're going for is they're trying to go for some kind of uh, inversion or subversion of like, oh, your dad works a successful job and you want to start a band and your dad's like, when are you going to get your your act together but yeah the but the joke is that ted is actually going to be a successful businessman um but like you're saying it, it doesn't fully work because that is kind of a yeah outdated view of plumbers i suppose and also it just ends up reinforcing the show i feel like the show does have a sort of like um I don't know if elitism is the word, but it does feel that moment feels elitist to a certain extent. Like it doesn't feel like you're make we're making fun of Ted for looking down on his dad. It feels like we are looking down on his dad. Um, the way that's framed, of, especially. Yeah, that. for being a sort of like salt of the salt of the earth guy, blue collar guy. Um, so I don't know. It was just weird. But the guy who played his dad was pretty funny, and I I did mm -hmm. like. How he like comes out and he's like, when are you going to make something useful? Like a toupee that doesn't fall off my head when I go into the sink or whatever. Yeah. And it's just presented as this like reveal of like, oh, that's why Ted in the present is so motivated to get Phil and Lem yeah. to finish developing this hair regeneration as he wants to give his dad hair, like give him something that he could never give him before. It, um, yeah. It, it is funny at the end of the day that his dad is so different from him. And I think the scene works in a way that reminded me of like, I think you should leave a little bit where, uh, you oh, know, sure. like the TC Tuggers thing where it's like, yeah, mm -hmm. it's a shirt and you, you pull on the shirt and it gets uh, your shirt bunches up or whatever. Like it's that kind yeah. of thing where he's talking yes. about his toupee. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think it's important to be cognizant of, of that sort of like white collar elitism that, that, feels baked into the show a little bit it's a really common thing unfortunately in a lot of business environments um 
is that sort of like, oh, we all, this is what jobs are, right? Is you work in an office and you work on a team. And here's how we like in my business school perspective, what we talk about when we talk about business like jo- and jobs is mm-hmm. white collar work. They never talk about what a blue collar job is like, you know, learning how yeah. to be a better manager doesn't apply necessarily to like working at Dunkin' Donuts uh, all the time, like in a local branch or uh, running a plumber's union, like stuff like that. It doesn't, mm. th- those skills don't transfer over. So it's a very different field. Um, but you see, like I said, so many different stories within Verdian Dynamics this episode um, in terms of like how people get there and like why, how, like I said earlier, how their parents uh, influence them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get, uh, we talked about Veronica and how uh, her father, who I thought I recognized, but I looked up the actor. Yeah, me um, too. I didn't recognize it. The actor's name is Jeff Pearson. Um, and I don't know him from anything in particular. There's no, like, you guys know him from this thing. He's just a character actor. Um, but he does stand toe-to-toe with Portia de Rossi really well. Like, they just have this guy who's uh-huh. just like, hey, she's going to throw lines at me, and I'm going to throw them right back at her, at, at her. You know? Like, I'm not going to... You could have very easily portrayed this as, like, she's mean to him the way that she's mean to her grandmother. But instead, it's like, no, like, her dad is exactly as cold-hearted as she is and and prepared to do all this nasty stuff to her um but we mostly see things from her side we don't dwell on him too much uh i would they do get some good comedy out of like uh she doesn't believe that he's dying at first and then a lawyer comes in and whispers to her like yes he's dying and she's like you're dying (laughs) like it just took (laughs) somebody double checking for her to be like wait and they really make you believe that it's going to be a heartfelt moment where she's like oh no but it and it really turns into like, oh no, I need to destroy him one more time. <laughs> I need to give him this hair regeneration tech, and, and yeah. even though it's broken, it's a pretty fun uh, montage when you see them like try to bond in a normal father daughter way, uh, and like there he puts his arm around her at the park, but then the people they're looking at turned out turn out to be like this May December romance, and they start making out or whatever, and then one what of was my that favorite. Term? May December romance. Yeah, what is that? Oh, you don't know that? No, I'm not familiar. That's when it's like an older person and a younger person are in a relationship because it's like May and December in the in the year, you know, like middle of your life and late in your life. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. You learn a new term every day. Yeah, it's I guess I think it's just broadly used to describe a relationship where there's like a large age gap. Age difference. Sure. Okay. Um but and then there's my one of my favorite little visual jokes of the episode is when they play frisbee with each other and they keep trying to throw it underhand uh and they're just both like frustrated and bad at it it was it's pretty good yeah mm-hmm. um but, yeah, but I, yeah he definitely has a face of like do i know you <laughs> but he but, i figured no. i just figured it out right now he looks like the brother from better call Saul um that actor is in a lot of stuff he's sort of like a more severe version of Oh, that guy. A, show with the word better in the title, huh? Yeah, better call off Ted. Uh, Michael McKean <laughs> is the actor I'm thinking of. Um, so if you look him up, maybe. You, or he was uh, Mr. Green in Clue, but he's very young in that movie, so you might not see it as much. But uh, I digress. Um, I think the best Linda and her dad. Oh, yeah. See uh-huh. it a little bit? Like he's kind of a sharper version of that guy? Yep. Um, no, the best line is when she's she finds out that he's, he's trying to steal something from her again. And then I believe she talks about like we need we're working on uh, like ligament or <laughs> body part removal surgery. 
she's like, well, I want his knees. And I couldn't stop thinking of that, like, old... I think it's Escape Chat's intro you did, and I don't know if someone can confirm this for us, but where you were like, give me those juicy knees! Give me those... Or maybe it's like a Freaks Chat's <laughs> bit. <laughs> I don't I don't remember. It's somewhere in the miasma of, like, funny Magellan voices that have never left my brain for some... That, that live in my brain rent-free. Um, it's just... <laughs> Just Magellan going, give me those juicy knees. Like, you're <laughs> steal my knees. It's weird. Uh, um, that's funny. But yeah, it, that stuff ends up working pretty fine. And then, so he he steals the hair growth technique, and then she. It turns out she let him because it's broken and doesn't work good. It grows little uh, cabbage patch kid hairs on top uh-huh. of everything. Uh-huh. Um, we learned. I learned a new word. Speaking of of uh, May December romance, I also learned about overspray which is what Phil describes it when you spray something and then all of the particles that come oh. out of it. Is that a thing or did they just kind of like need That's absolutely a thing. I Googled it. That's, huh. um, that, that has its own Wikipedia page, I believe, the concept of overspray. Overspray. Um, yeah. It's just like when you spray something, everything that go, that's around it, uh, in this case, gets oh. grows hair. So like Ted's desk grows hair. I think it's kind of funny that instead of like in the the, the Ted's desk gags are so good when he's like <laughs> shaving his desk and then Veronica comes in and she's like, Ted, are you shaving his, your desk? And he's like, it's not going to shave itself, Veronica. <laughs> <laughs> and I the joke before that was a little not so great, but I, I did like it where he's like, oh, it looks just like this girl I used to know. And then there's yeah, a what beat. was that? And, yeah, that sucks. But then the punchline of it where he's like, it's hard to explain, but yes, she did look like a desk with hair. It's like his delivery of that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, but it but it does it does kind of suck a little bit. Yeah, it, like the it, yeah exactly. Like um, it being like this girl I used to know. It's like why is that how it's framed? I don't know. But anyway. yeah, I feel yeah. Um, briefly though, the other like parental rom- uh, relationships we hear about. Um, the one I thought that was the most like side story funny was that Linda's family just love each other very much and yeah. are so caring. God, people like that are the worst, huh? When like it's like, oh, we have this like perfect family and all these Christmas photos and everybody. Every know. every year we rent an RV and go across the country. What God, are you saying? Sucks. No, God, thank that you. sucks. No, thank you. Just have a normal family that like generally gets along, but there's some sort of underlying dysfunction, you know? Come on. Well, I think what makes hers funny to me is that she has this amazing, caring family, and she's still the rebel who hates her job, hates her boss, and hates everyone she works with. Like, Interesting. She, Interesting. Yeah. Where Where does that sprout from? Sort of like the mm. so many hairs in this episode. Um, <laughs> Phil has a pretty supportive dad who loves him, which is nice. I and love then the whole sequence where Ted goes down and first talks to them and he's yeah. like, oh man, Linda's family is so supportive or whatever. And yeah. Phil and Lem both have like really, really supportive dads. It's super funny to me. It's like a, I, I don't know why, I, I think I reference this a lot just because it's a touch point for the two of us, but it did feel like a Simpsons joke when Phil's like, yeah, my dad thought I was, he loved me and supported me through school and everything. And then Lem's dad's like, or Lem is like, yeah, my dad died when I was three. And Phil, and then uh, Ted is like, oh, and he's like, yeah, because he was saving people from a burning bus. And so I know that he loved me and it'll be everlasting and I appreciate that forever. <laughs> <laughs> That's and awesome. Like, if Ted was Homer, you would hear, don't, <laughs> right yeah. there. And then I really liked, um, the sort of like hidden uh, tag on that joke is when Ted, you know, is like, uh, oh, this is when this isn't what I asked you guys to do or whatever. 
Uh, and and Phil immediately jumps to, yes, we failed you. Stop screaming at us. When he's not <laughs> screaming at them. Yeah. So, so funny. And that just furthers um, your understanding of like Phil's typical relationship with a parental figure where even the slightest hint of disapproval from Ted and he starts to completely panic. Yeah. Um, so I like that the episode, you know, both shows like, oh, some people just are like, my family's super normal, but then also is very clear about the fact that like that can mess you up too, or that can be not great parenting too sometimes. Um, just right, like what exactly. Ted does with Rose actually. Um, yeah, there's yeah. a brief side plot in this episode about Rose trying to run uh, for class president, I guess. She says a great line where, uh, what was it? It was like the, the previous class president uh, is always like, he's being weird. And also he always calls the teacher mommy, which. <laughs> yeah, he, he he ate pencils and called the teacher the mommy. The teacher mommy. Every, every single day called the teacher mommy. Like that's a good. Yeah. That's a good. You ever uh, done that? Did you ever do that? No, I mean it's in the same ballpark as like telling the person at the movie theater like when they say enjoy the movie you say you too. But yeah. I think the mommy thing is a little it's much more embarrassing and I if I did it I've blocked it out successfully. So. I've done it. I think I've done it twice. I think I did it once in like 5th grade and once earlier than that with a substitute teacher. That's Ooh, that's the, rough. Yeah, that's the real rough one is when you call a substitute teacher mom. But <laughs> But Sokka yeah. voice that's or Zuko voice that's rough buddy um <laughs> I, I I really I really wanted to shout I know we're not just gonna like jump around on lines here but because we were just talking about Phil and Lem and when he's like why can't you guys grow like you got these you guys are such brilliant mad scientists because they grow hair on a potato and it looks like Mr. Potato Head uh-huh. and then Phil goes we're not mad scientists Ted regardless of what our bowling shirts might say <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good line just you don't have to cut away like another show that's less confident in that delivery would cut away to that but they're like no you get it you understand you can see the like the blue and black striped t-shirts and all that yeah phil and lem when they're not the focus of a plot and like when they don't have to kind of have a falling out and reconcile Uh and they're just like comedy engines they're so so funny like anything that comes out of both of them they completely know their characters they deliver every single line pitch perfect. Like other people I think have shakier deliveries. Portia de Rossi sometimes has like really weird line deliveries that don't make sense. Yeah. Um, but those guys, every single line that comes out of their mouth is like the funniest way they could have said it. It's it's really so good. We actually got um via the actually the moderator of the Better Off Ted subreddit. Shout outs to you. I don't have your username in front of me right now, but um, they sent me a video that was from an AMA that those two actors did uh, in 2011, um, mostly about Better Off Ted, but also like about their careers in general. And they just, they have such a, a fun chemistry. It's actually pretty, it's quite different from Phil and Lem. Um, you know, obviously they aren't just these characters, but they clearly like each other a lot. And uh, Phil is a lot more out as a gay man in, 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 in real life and, uh, mm-hmm. The guy who plays Lem, Malcolm Barrett, the guy who plays Lem, is like a lot, a little bit more serious. Like he does a lot of jokes and is like a gag machine, but he also like, you know, talks about hip hop and his, his like favorite rap music a lot, and like quotes some, you know uh, artists that he likes a lot. So they're they're quite different from the characters, but they definitely have that chemistry off camera, which I think is essential to this stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, you mentioned the like Veronica. 
or rather the Portia de Rossi like weird line delivery. And mm-hmm. the one that I, I thought of in this episode um, was when she uh, was talking about trying to feel something. Uh, I, fr- I wish I had the line exactly. LN Magic is the moderator who sent me uh, that AMA clip, by the way. Thank you, LN Magic mm-hmm. on Reddit. No, the Veronica line was something about like, oh, I need to feel something right now. Sad. Oh, 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 we're going to talk about feelings now. Okay. Sad. There. It had <laughs> to be felt. Like, that, and that line's supposed <laughs> to be super awkward and it works, right? Yeah. Cause she, but it sometimes like it, they they lean into it. And sometimes it just feels like she's trying to say a normal line and she says it weirdly. Sometimes she just emphasizes the wrong word, and I don't know if it's mm-hmm. a choice or what. I I don't know, but I, yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, it I just keep noticing like little lines where it's happening. Yeah, um, I do like the way that she says anything, anything, anything. I want well, that might just be her Australian coming through. Um, oh, yeah. Maybe that's She's why she emphasizes accent. different words. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, I, 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 I won't start. I won't keep ragging on Portia de Rossi when she does a great job. Thank you to our, uh, our, all our Aussie listeners out there. Hi, Ryan, and hopefully maybe Rachel. Um, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> one of the like I said earlier, Linda talks about her RV family trips. And mm-hmm. uh, they they do this like dog mayor gag at the end of the episode or towards the end of the episode that I was so impressed with because they committed to the bit where she talks about like oh uh, one of the they show that at the end yeah it's so brief one of the cool Fuck things the Hulu man Hulu is so annoying because it jumps to the next episode in the middle of the credits and Better Off Ted has like credits gags I totally I didn't even see this yeah she she's I'm talking so about sad. like. You know, it's okay. You can go back and watch I'm it. It's right there sad. for you. No, he's sad. I mean, I'm also watching Switch and watch it on my Switch when you say things. Gross. Uh, I'm also watching on Hulu. I just tell it don't play the credits or whatever. Like, don't skip episodes. I don't know how to do that. Well, your brain is the size of. It's the size of a brain. Go ahead. Sorry, she, um... talk about the dog thing. I'm pulling it up. Okay, sure. She is talking about how one of the coolest things is that there's a town in America that has a dog for a mayor. She says, so much going on in this country. No wonder America's trying to eat itself, which was yeah, weirdly prescient. Ver- Veronica's dad says, yeah. Or Veronica's dad says that, excuse me, yeah. Yeah, that line is 100% true. Yes. And um, Linda talks about the dog mayor. And then they show at the very end, I think it's it's Ted, who like get is holding a pamphlet in like really bad papyrus font with like, check out the dog mayor of Indiana. And I was like, <laughs> whoa (laughs) why someone made that like some some production assistant or whatever was like all right i gotta make the dog mayor thing for a five second gag okay this is my job (laughs) um shout out to whoever whoever did that yeah um yeah we love you personally very much thank you personally um but that's pretty much the episode it kind of goofs around for a little bit it's a funny one it's got some lines here and there that are good um, yeah, yeah, it, it's it's got some good laughs. I think it's we've had some episodes that have been kind of meh. I think this one is not like a shining star, but it's like a pretty funny episode. And if someone, if this was someone's first episode of Better Off Ted, I think they'd be like, yeah, this is a funny show. I get it. Yeah, the only thing that's disappointing is the Viridian Dynamics ad, which is a an attack ad against Digivation, which I really yeah. want to hear more about. Maybe in season two, I doubt we're going to, but. When they're talking about like digivation, they just want to hurt you. When don't you do you want to be hurt? No, 
creating dynamics. <laughs> I think there like, just weren't there weren't enough beats for the joke. Like I really liked the line since Digivation was founded 50 years ago, millions have died. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. But then there wasn't there wasn't more. I wanted more jokes. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, I'm um, at the end of the episode. Hold on. Is this what mud pies are? Yes. Oh. He's giving his dad a tie and a mud pie. That's really, really, really fucking cute. Where's the dog mare? There's no dog mare. Oh, maybe it was before. It's right before that. It's right before that scene. Right before that scene. It's the scene before that one, yeah. No, it's not. I think you imagine this. He steals the project, the hair growth project. Uh huh. Go further back. Puts it in his. Further back? <laughs> oh, he's holding it? Oh. Yeah. Oh, I just was not even looking at the screen. That's on me. Oh, Papyrus Oh, like it did font. come up. You just didn't Papyrus see it. Font. Okay. All right. Font, yeah. Okay, that wasn't Hulu's fart, fart. That wasn't Hulu's fault. That was my fault. So I, I take full responsibility. Okay. I'm sorry. You're gonna issue a full up apology. Formal apology to Hulu. I know that you deleted, you had in your uh, five year plan to get some promotion going on chats, and then you deleted that out of your five year plan. I, I implore you to control Z, and <laughs> you know find it in your hearts to. We need to record only back. on Tuesday nights because Magellan's energy right now, y'all, is amazing. Uh, Let's. It's it's one of those days where I took a nap in the in the afternoon that just oh, you're made in a different me, dimension. It gave me that combination feeling of like tired and fully rested. Like my eyes are so tired, and my body is completely awake. Huh. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. It sucks. I have more stuff from this episode. If before. We're about to move biff, from it. Biff, biff. <laughs> biff. I think I think uh, we got to give props to Rose. I think she does a great job in this one. She delivers some really funny lines, pretty yeah. pretty effectively. Um, she gives her campaign speech and she says, "Hi, I'm Rose. Vote for me, please. Thank you. That's so. That's You're welcome. Freaking perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, amazing. That's it. That's all I needed. Really? I'm gonna vote for you." Really well done. And then she does a great job. Like, there, you know, this is a line that's like precocious to the point where it breaks the fiction a little bit, but where she says, I'm going to go take a bath, maybe color a little, you know, unwind. <laughs> adorable. She, she, she crushes it. It's really funny. It's she does. I loved it. I forgot about those lines. Yeah. All my notes are about the, Ver- the Veronica and her dad stuff. I totally forgot that it's like a whole decent Rose plot line buried in this one. Yeah, yeah. They don't use Rose in the show as much as I would like them to. I sort of, I think the pilot and reading the background of the show sells you on the idea that like Ted's home life or Ted's Ted's identity as a dad is like a central component of the show, right? And it sort of is, but you don't see it enough, in my opinion, for the contrast to be stark enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just want to see more of it. It's getting stark like Tony. Um, Ooh, wellness. what's the next line? Hold on, you can't start a freestyle and stop it. Getting stark like Tony. Gotta make a beat like my with my homie. Okay. Got my got mix mixing shark in my macaroni. Shorty's gonna be the Michelle to my Romy. 
Okay. They were friends. <laughs> and they had a high school reunion. That line doesn't work. Unless you just want to be friends with the girl, that's totally fine. Yeah, I think that's the I think that's what this song is about. It's like yeah. you know, it's not a love song, it's not a sex song. It's like can't we just form a healthy relationship with a member of the opposite sex? Yeah. Or a member of the of the of the, you know, group of people we're attracted to. There it is. Come on now. Come, Come on, on, buddy. Come Let's on, take it to buddy. the second half. I refuse. All right, let's do it. Whoa. <laughs> no, you, you refuse. We have to stay. I'm not, uh, I'm not one, wait, one last line. One last line. Give one me, give me. Line, one last line. I did, I did laugh uh, both at the part where uh, where Phil is like, testers, testees. <laughs> yes. Lem's like, you said testes. And Phil's like, yeah, said, oh, my God, that's so funny. And then when I was, I, I was pretty uncomfy with Ted when he was trying to push past protocol and get them to like break laws and stuff. Can't do that, Ted. That's uh, illegal, Ted. Come on. That's illegal, Ted. Ted does some illegal stuff in both episodes, actually. Mm-hmm. And then when Lem's like, hey, first we have to test it on a rat, then a bat, then for some reason a hat. <laughs> that was good. That's very good. That was good. And then it was nice to see Lem like very confidently stand up to Ted. I, I was happy that Phil and Lem weren't... Uh, weren't corrupted in this one it it made what ted was doing even even more clearly out of out of the norm you know mm-hmm. so it's good character stuff good good stuff for sure no all right doubt. that's all i got that's all i got well okay. met for the <laughs> horde okay let's go <laughs> oh my god we'll be right back after we got to pay the bills we got to get a brief message from our, our friends at Viridian dynamics <laughs> yeah who's our fucking sponsor it's, it's always Viridian dynamics baby uh... um, and then we'll be back with a guest who can hopefully rein in my co-host as we discuss impossible jabberwocky impossible it's not possible impossible Viridian dynamics the environment everyone likes it and so we do too that's why we're committed to saving it viridian dynamics is turning every one of our buildings 100 percent green it's ridiculously expensive and spending money makes us sad but we're doing it because we love nature even when it's being mean or just acting stupid viridian dynamics greening our world Welcome back to Better Off Chats. It's still me. Magellan's still here. Alan, you're here too, still. Somehow. I decided I'd come back for one more, like a sort of reunion tour. <laughs> the last episode of Chats. They couldn't even finish Better Off Ted. Better off finishing the show early, more like it. Oh, boy. Let's not air our dirty laundry out, out in the open like this. Yet. Yet, yet, of course, of course, we all know the last episode of Chats will be the horrible knockdown drag out fight where we as we yeah. we're just like every we're trying to talk about the Lex finale, but we're like, ugh. And you <laughs> said the worst breakup you've ever heard in your whole life. I love it. I yeah. love it. I'm ready for it. It's gonna end with me throwing my microphone out the window at you. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, it's gonna be good. Oh, I don't want to even live in that fiction for even a moment i don't live in the fiction where we talk about better off ted with a friend yeah me too so let's do it let's bring somebody into the, the this little this little situation that we got going here a little nope i was gonna say polyamorous podcast pal but even the alliteration doesn't doesn't salvage that so let me rewind 
Oh yeah, yeah. Let's do. It. Let's bring somebody else into this whole this whole thing that we're doing. Okay. Into this I, hole. I, just say it. Into this hole. Into this hole. Into this pit that we've dug for ourselves. Alan, introduce this this fine feathered friend. For this episode, uh, we opened up the cage uh, for our fine feathered friend. <laughs> uh, they're actually a guy Bonesaw who once saw is ready. <laughs> <laughs> that's my other obscure spider-man one reference. yeah yeah no that one's more well known that's like a meme yeah um, i guess so we're joined here by the the guy who once got kicked out of the zoo for giving a monkey a cigarette it's arthur from full metal analysts it's me i'm here the monkey hey. didn't want the cigarette but i gave it to him anyway oh well that's that's okay <laughs> i guess that's fine <laughs> Someday uh, I want to do a podcast improv game where we do the intro to a podcast over and over, and the joke is that the audio keeps dying, and we have to do it all over, and we have to see if, like, by take <laughs> ten, it's still funny. That's a good improv game oh, idea. That's good. We're already on take yeah. two. I uh, just to lift the curtain. I have to back say, I think I, I've, I'm already doing better. I think I'm already doing much better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first, the first time that we pitched you that monkey joke, you were just like, ah, and walked right? out of the room. So this is an improvement. <laughs> I just, I threw my keyboard. Yeah, Arthur. Yeah. Let me ask you. Let me ask you a question real quick. Uh, okay. I made a reference to the to the Sam Raimi classic Spider Man One, and it's now become a running joke that I uh, reference a particular line from that film. I'm wondering if you're familiar with it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, is it is it pizza time? What's oh, pizza even time? better, even better. What's pizza time? Isn't that from Spider Man Two? Yeah, he delivers pizza the pizza time. in Spider Man Two. Uh, is it? Oh no, is it? Hey everyone, is it every, hey everyone? No, no, no. It's um. So there's a part where Aunt May is like in the hospital and she's doing the Lord's prayer, and mm-hmm. then the Green Goblin busts in through the ceiling and it's really scary. <laughs> and then she's like stuck in the middle of it and can't speak anymore. And then he goes, "Finish it." <laughs> From evil. <laughs> yeah. What I remember about that scene is that he just terrorizes the heck out of aunt may and then that scene is never really referenced or dealt with the whole rest of the movie no 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 of course not of course not of course not well we're also never going to deal with that for the rest of this episode but i just wanted to to you know get your take on that uh but hey welcome arthur we're so happy to have you here we were just recently on your your podcast full metal analyst it's a full metal alchemist podcast yeah that was uh, fun yeah, it was that. quite fun. It, uh, I believe, just came out a few days ago. So this is, uh, you know, the second part. If you want to understand the full crossover event, if you want to understand why, you know, Superman's dead and Wonder Woman is now an alien or, I don't know, whatever, you have to listen to every single podcast episode to get the full the full story before we release the giant-sized crossover episode. Um, but you can check us out there, and Arthur's here with us with us today, talking about Better Off Ted. Um, and I'm I'm curious. Hey, hey, Alan sent me a friend request on Facebook. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Just making now. connections, making connections. What are you gonna that do? That's nice. You say yes. No. no. <laughs> well, I'll, I'm gonna think about it. <laughs> nice. I don't want to make a comment about Arthur's appearance. But you're very handsome, and also you could—you're the spitting image of McDonald's roommate Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> That's white really guys funny. with beards, white yeah, guys true. with beards. That's really funny. That's so right. Arthur and I, Arthur and I have known each other since college. Just like we've both known uh, 
roommate of the pod charlie since college as well um <laughs> it's it's funny that you say that alan because i always think of arthur as looking like me kind of or there's something there that's similar i think I i'm don't kind know. of in between i think you are charlie. in between me and charlie i think that's true yeah that he's the um, second evolution like in the pokemon metaphor. yeah he's he's the um the war turtle of Ugh. whatever it is that's going on with us sure. but I, I don't think charlie's the squirtle i don't think i am either it's like if blastoise turned into ivysaur and then into charizard you know what i mean mm. oh sure anyway so we're here talking about better off ted arthur i'm curious to hear your um your personal history with the show better off ted since you have seen it before, or at least at least some of it before, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't do this again. <laughs> can't do it again. Uh, <laughs> I just, what are you talking about? I just got the... <laughs> All right, okay. All right. <laughs> what just happened? It sounded like you got vertigo or something. I just had some weird deja vu for some reason, almost like <laughs> I did this, I've done this all before, and someone <laughs> lost all the audio. Um, okay, here I go again. Okay. So, uh, I actually started watching this off of Magellan's recommendation. Wait, hold on a second. Yeah. You're telling me. You're t- Sorry, folks. We're like really cracking ourselves up because we're trying to recreate uh some talking points from the first time we recorded this intro but i was genuinely surprised in the in the lost tapes to hear that arthur watched better off ted because of me when i watched full mental alchemist because of him but but the horrible thing is yeah the horrible but, thing is that yeah uh, i recommended full metal alchemist to magellan magellan recommended better off ted to me I watched yep. Better Off Ted like that weekend. But Jellen watched Full Metal Alchemist <laughs> like last weekend. Th- like last weekend. <laughs> this is like Hamilton five energy. years later. Uh, <laughs> Hamilton read it yeah. three years later. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Magellan missed his his shot. If you yeah, will. I, I, I screwed um, up. I, I, I do want to issue the Hamilton parlance. I do want to issue a formal apology for that. I'm, I'm very sorry, Arthur. I should have uh, watched it. Thank you. And may I say your apology was even nicer to hear the second time. <laughs> it's probably because I didn't say screw you at the end of it like I did the first time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious to hear uh, when you, like the great, the great patient friend that you have always been and are continuing to prove yourself to be, um, when you watched that by my recommendation, what, what were your initial impressions about Better Off Ted? And, and what was like... What were you kind of bringing into this watch for for this appearance on our show? Right. So back in the far off year of 20, what, 15, 14? Uh, it was... Yeah, 14, 15. I, like, I liked it. I remember thinking it was funny, and I think I just fell off of it at some point because I forgot. But I remember really enjoying it then. And I feel like since that time, uh, I don't know if the world has gotten darker or if the general zeitgeist perception of the world has gotten much darker, but there's been a a darkening for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think that coming into this watch, I almost came with into it with the attitude of 
expecting this to feel very dated because so i feel like better off ted has this sort of feeling of oh we live in a horrible dark corporate hellscape uh but it's all good like it can't you see how absurd and funny it is yeah whereas now things are just only bad and it feels a little less cool to be a little less easy to genuinely laugh at isn't it kind of fucked up but it's fine it's funny it's it's zany yeah um and so it was interesting to compare it with the show corporate which has a very similar premise to this one but fully but it as sort of a post 2016 show fully fully leans into that darkness like i think you can even see that in the opening like uh the opening of better off ted is like um like funny satire of of corporate voice um like kind of always sort of obliquely bling gesturing at terribleness um like we're we're evil kind of wink and (laughs) wink and the soundtrack is very jazzy tango-y uh cheerful uh whereas corporate begins with people screaming (laughs) like heavy guitar (laughs) and like people smiling so hard that they're they're screaming at you and uh and i think that so between the two if one really kind of accurately captures the feeling of now it's corporate um which i think would be really interesting to watch the pilot side by side but uh that being said I actually really enjoyed Better Off Ted a lot more than I thought. It was actually genuinely funny and fun and honestly made me a little nostalgic for for the for like Simply Bush times. Obama era. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, it's um I mean there definitely is that transition that's happened in satire over the past 10, 20 years where um I think people used to be content with the kind of like I would lump Better Off Ted in with like John Stewart's Daily Show a little bit where, you know, the tone, it's even more kind of like sweet, obviously, than that, because his whole thing was like, I'm just fucking exhausted and tired of all this huh. stuff. But right. there definitely was this tone with satire at that time of like, yeah, things are bad, but like things are fine. You know, we can laugh and and, and it's OK. And now you've got like John Oliver, who's like, just so you know here's what's going on and i'm gonna like be very 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 blunt about you know this particular situation or whatever right um yeah there's no there's no skating around it like if we told you how bad things were you'd be really sad so we won't right Uh, (laughs) Right. yeah yeah um i definitely want to check out um corporate at some point sorry i've been very quiet because i'm uh, we're you know in the heat of it right now but uh corporate seems like an interesting show and i think but better off ted kind of differs uh from that and from caucus industries and other sort of better off ted alike but that's a podcast that was recommended to us um is that better off ted like knows the world is messed up and is fine just portraying it as that like that's why we talked in the last segment about how veronica as a character is just like yeah at her most sincere most kind she is still the least empathetic person on the show and that's okay because that's just how people are and that's more honest than like you know the sort of like think about something like a brooklyn 99 which is like Mm. they're cops but 
Like, they have a heart of gold, right? They're all wacky and funny. Like, you like them, and one of them's gay. Isn't that cool? And the show is like, no, they, but they do suck, and that is, there's comedy to that. You can laugh and cry at the same time. This project is fake, and everyone knows it, and yet no one wants to say it. Isn't that hilarious? I think so. Yeah, it almost, the show almost mm. doesn't, like, an aspire to anything. You know, it it is pretty content to say, like, uh, people are, they're, you know, kind of fake or don't care about stuff when they're at their jobs, but they go home and they're great dads and, you know, <laughs> it, it is what it is. It's not ideal, but it's right. okay. But they go uh, home to their daughter who, uh, who talks like an adult and it's so funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, it is, but the joke writing, like you're saying, Arthur, is just really solid. Like there's, there's yeah. just some lines in here that are gut busters. It's just so funny. This episode... I don't know if we're talking about this episode yet. We are. We are. Okay. I would love to. Why did you pick this one? You 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 picked it. Actually, actually before. Sorry, before I ask you that, I'm gonna Screech. tell folks what, what what episode it even is. Season one, episode twelve, Jabberwocky. It was written by Michael A. Ross, directed by Michael Fresco, and you heard right. You heard two Michaels there, just like you heard for episode eleven. But you also Stripper heard right Michael. that that one of those Michaels is a new Michael. So there were three Michaels, at least, <laughs> on the creative team of Better Off Ted. At least three yeah. Michaels. I feel bad for that PA who has to deliver sandwiches to that room, like Michael. Uh-huh. And then, uh, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this bit again. Something, something, turkey sandwiches, mayonnaise, something, something. <laughs> Right. We all hate we had, the we had this whole so bit funny. When our first go, and, and you know, well, you don't can't over-explain it. It's a bad bit. You're a you're a say it, say it, say it, you clown. I'm a bad bit. Say <laughs> you're, it. You're a bad bit. Now spit in my mouth. <laughs> uh, we just had this thing of like, you know, what if all these Michaels are hanging out, right? And okay, like, so okay, so the room is full of Michaels, <laughs> okay. like. The room like is 100 Michaels, Michaels dropped from a helicopter. Okay, it's half Michaels, and the PA comes in, and he's like, sandwich for Michael, and they're all like, me. And he doesn't know which Michael to give the fucking sandwich to, okay? That's the bit. <laughs> That's the bit. No, and, then, the and then we were like, okay, so then all the Michaels have to get the same sandwich order because they just have to agree to, like, just to make things simpler. They just kind of oh. give up. All and I so want in this life like, is... Okay, all, like, five sandwiches, they're all the same, they go to five different Michaels, <laughs> and then I was like, what if each Michael gets to pick one thing about the sandwich? Oh, I've never heard Arthur so angry in my whole <laughs> life. That's uh, a bit. You're so mild-mannered, Arthur, that that was incredible. So, it's Jabberwocky, there's a lot of Michaels involved in it, it has nothing to do with the plot of the episode. Uh, it originally aired on August 11, 2009. Alan, what happened in Jabberwocky? Alan, what happened? <laughs> Come on, let's talk about the episode. In this one, Ted steals money to give Linda a secret green project. When Veronica asks about the missing money, Ted tells her about a fictional revolutionary project called Jabberwocky, which soon becomes the talk of Viridian Dynamics. <gasps> so, Arthur, why'd you pick this one? You, you you did it on purpose. You said, I want this one. Why'd oh, you do that? Yeah, you went on a map thought... and you said, that one's me. <laughs> yeah. I thought it sounded like the most fun. I looked at the Wikipedia and... Uh, just the name Jabberwocky stuck out to me because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was my favorite poem as a kid. And, um, oh. yeah. 
And then I looked at the description and I was like, fake project? That sounds conceptual. And huh. <laughs> that sounds heady. <laughs> I, I do always go for the for the premises that are very conceptual. Like you step back and you think about them as a whole and you go, hmm, that's funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which <laughs> which I've had mixed results, you know, in terms of how much people like it when I, I do that in my sure. own comedy, but I enjoy it. Yeah, and I think tip. this episode is, uh, it definitely demonstrates i think what's great and what's limited about approaching um a plot in that way because at least the ted plot with with the whole jabberwocky thing is i think a really smart uh premise basically saying like oh if you make up a fake project everyone is gonna like fall over themselves trying to get on it because they don't want to be the person who's uh like not in the know Everybody's so desperate to sort of look competent at work and they're willing to dupe other people or kind of overstate things. Um, And everyone inside is like intensely anxious that they're on the verge of losing their job or or whatever. Um, (laughs) Right. And I think that the episode renders that pretty well. Um, But then it does go places where I was sort of like, okay, all right. It's I guess it's still cute, but you know you're a little it's a little smart um right where where were those places for you well to uh i guess to, it's okay to kind of give give away the episode but basically the the general idea is that ted sets up this fake project because he wants to give linda the money to build a garden on the on the roof and we can talk about the linda stuff in a bit um and then along the way when Veronica starts sniffing around about where did this money go, Ted says, oh, it's for Jabberwocky. You know what that is, right? And then Veronica asks her boss, and and then everybody at the company is talking about it. Um, and all of that, I think, was really great. And then it culminates in this scene where Veronica's like, what? Jabberwocky's fake? Well, we have to present it to everybody in 10 minutes. And Ted's like, what? Oh, no. And then they go and do the presentation. And to me... At that point, I think it really just starts to feel like we really wanted to watch Portia de Rossi and uh, Jay Harrington. Mr. Handsome. Thank you, Jay Harrington. Oh, Mr. Handsome. No, his full name is Mr. Handsome. <laughs> Jay, Mr. Handsome Harrington. Yeah. Um, we just want to watch them like stand on the stage and sort of <clears throat> boop around and do funny jokes. Um, and at that point, it's like, okay, you're like to me it felt like they were overselling the satire to the point of it being kind of farcical and it sort of loses what i think was like biting and interesting about um this conversation the jabberwocky project about the jabberwocky project and and what those what that can do to people in a corporate environment and just like the base level anxiety that everybody has in an environment like that yeah i think you are right in that there's a certain amount of escalation that happens with this concept that Mm -hmm. forces everyone to turn into idiots that you can't really identify with versus like a very identifiable anxiety with that is oh oh yeah totally i know that um right so i see that yeah 
I'll, I'll, I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen, there's a little film by the name of Spider-Man. And in that film, uh, at one point, <laughs> Peter Parker uh, pauses the screen and says, hey, that's me. You're probably wondering how I ended up in this situation. And then the, the time resumes. Oh my God, I can't oh, believe man. you made such a genius connection to Spider-Man. I do my best. That's what they pay me the big bucks for, right? Um, and uh, so that's what the framing device is trying to be, where it's like them on stage as if that's like a horribly compromising position for Ted, who's a right. business professional. So like, why is him being on stage like a crazy scenario? It's not. He loves the stage. He lo- He's a man of the stage. And yeah. we all of it is to build up to him just doing this like song and dance with Veronica being like, it's Jabberwocky. You guys all know what it is. It's an amazing, right. innovative product. And we use all the buzzwords. And like that stuff lands, I think, okay. Yeah. I kind of, like I almost disagree with him, John, a little bit in that the payoff is, is sort of worth it because what is, what is Jabberwocky? It's buzzwords. And I know I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but you know, look at any job, like remote work job description these days at a tech company. And it's going to sound like this Jabberwocky presentation where it's like, we're innovating and uh, disrupting the industry right. of life. Yeah. <laughs> <You're> like, hmm. <laughs> totally. I think, I think that's very true. And I think there's room for that for those jokes in this episode it's like why but why couldn't they have made like a corporate video that gets I was passed around the thing, yeah. that just like builds more hype it's almost like they escalated it in the wrong direction or something mm-hmm. i think it just the um, show so i i agree with you alan that like um those are the parts of it that i liked where they're like how do you redefine with a new definition or whatever <laughs> like that i thought <laughs> yeah, that was pretty yeah. funny well, and that's because the show is just clever. Like they do that. Yeah, they're just good at they're good at those things. But I think it ends up like rubbing me a weird way. The way that like sometimes The Office or Parks and Rec or you know Brooklyn Nine Nine or whatever do in the same way, where they're just so fond of their characters to the point where it almost undercuts like the point of the episode, kind of because then. I think it also could have been okay if it was a presentation, but the fact that like Ted and Veronica are like doing whisper commentary to each other and there's no comeuppance and it goes perfectly. And it's like, what? <laughs> That's why didn't Ted face <laughs> right. any consequence for lying to the whole company or I don't know. It, yeah, I guess it's it, a satire think, show. That's not supposed to be totally realistic. No, but, but think about the ending that could have happened, which is, everyone realizes all at once that Jabberwocky doesn't exist. <laughs> like, that would have been a much more interesting thing, and, like, Ted is almost... Ted has to face some kind of consequence and then saves it with something from the roof garden. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, did, sure. The roof garden did end up sort of feeling, like, completely disjointed from, right. from the Like, rest, going right? into this, I really thought that something about the roof garden was going to turn into... He's like, oh, uh, it's glowing, it's glowing grapes. That's Project Jabberwocky, you know. Right. I don't know. Right. Um, yeah. Oh, I do have to say something. One of my favorite, like, jokes. <laughs> one of my favorite things about this show is how it loves talking about things going mad. <laughs> I think <laughs> the way it uses the joke of <laughs> he went mad, I think, is really funny because you don't. You don't hear about things going mad so often. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think we really should should more. 
Um, and I think the squirrel going mad because it was glowing all the time and couldn't sleep. <laughs> it made me laugh so, so, so hard. So dark. Oh, my God. Wow, that's dark. Yeah. It was so funny. Or or even in the and pilot where... Oh, yeah, go ahead. In the pilot where they make the very uncomfy chairs and they keep making them more and more uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Still one of the best jokes in the show, yeah. yeah. Until... Mm-hmm. Uh, until someone goes mad. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there's another and reference. I think to it's someone. just my favorite. Yeah, it's just my favorite thing to hear Jay Harrington say is that he went mad. <laughs> there's also a little joke uh, earlier where um, he's trying to get Linda to like not take on the responsibility of the greening thing, and he's like, "Well, you know, just think about like Steve or whatever." And then he makes like finger guns to, I guess, indicate that the dude like went mad and tried to shoot up the office or something i'm disappointed that you don't remember yeah. the name because he does say the guy's name is alan alan that's what it oh, was that's my oh, name and i'm that person Oh, you're right because they do it like four or five times it becomes a runner where they're like oh don't don't be like alan and i'm like i'm alan <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's like kind of a similar but slightly different thing i guess um yeah so that's that's like the Jabberwocky stuff. I did like the one guy, the guys in the cubicle talking about it too, where the one guy's like, oh man, I need a winner. Like my my wife is, I don't know, sick <laughs> or something. It's so, so dramatic. And then Veronica's boss, um, who is one of those guys that I thought I recognized and I really do think I've seen him before and I have no idea what I've seen him in. Mm-hmm. But he had some great delivery on like, yeah, I know what it is too. <laughs> he was like exactly so we both know what it is um that stuff was it was the it was the good. line earlier that you're you're referencing when they're going by the guys in the office is uh one of them's like oh jabberwocky is a game changer bro and he meekly goes just once in my life i'd like to change a game <laughs> <laughs> that's a high five in the writers room i say that a lot yeah. but you know what i mean when i say that like that's yeah. just a good one um i i think i liked the f- to go back on to what you were saying a bit ago, that this episode is framed a little bit differently than your typical Better Off Ted episode because we're dropped in Medias Race into the presentation or just before it. And then Ted's like, well, let me go back a little bit. Um, it's framed in a different way. And I kind of wish every episode was framed like this, sort of, because to me, it gave his asides a little bit more spice to them. Maybe part of it is because he was like lying to everybody and telling us the truth. But I also kind of liked interpreting his asides. Like normally I interpret them as him kind of giving us his inner monologue or his like initial reactions to something. But I interpreted in this episode as him, as that being his narrator voice, um, kind of poking through into the scene. Um, Uh Uh-huh to kind of like tell us what he was thinking at the time. And it makes it fun because then he's like, yeah. And I totally went up to her and told her the truth. Right. And then he lies and he's like, I I couldn't help it. Come on. What do you want me to do? Um, It just makes, it made the story more, I don't know, compelling to me that there was that slight Mm -hmm. reframe on what the Ted narration is in the, in the fiction of the show, but maybe I'm imagining that difference. I don't know. No, it's it's a bit of like making you the the co-conspirator in Ted's right. half of the story, right? right? I think that's what works. No, but I I, I think yeah, even the, the setup for the Jabberwocky project is very funny. This reminds us too that 
Linda does matter to Ted. He still cares a lot about this person. Um, yeah, he has and, a crush on her still. It's now, right. now for sure. And, um, you know, there's something about like, I want my crush to have the out the the roof garden that she deserves, and he's doing it for her, and not for the fact that what she's doing it for, which is like I want she wants to green Viridian Dynamics, which is another one of those things where they kind of frame it like who the frick cares about like greening our office, and like the amount of waste that comes out of your average office space, especially in 2009, is so astronomical because they haven't like completely nailed down paperless stuff. Um, it is a useful endeavor to try and to like make a garden. It's, it's a small little thing you can do, but it's a good idea. Um, and as she mentions, it can even save you costs on like AC and stuff because you're, you're because uh, of what you're growing up there. Um, so I thought it was weird that they were like, "Ugh, why would we want to spend money on a greenhouse? That's so stupid. And she's like, no, it's just like, I need three. I want three right. plants. <laughs> it does show a difference of the culture. Even then, uh, I think that, it it was seen as it was seen as like green <laughs> all right <laughs> like you know Whatever. electric cars are uh poison you know like you yeah, know absolutely bad. i i right. i don't love tesla as a company and i definitely don't like elon musk as a person but i am in favor us of us switching to from high, regular to hybrid to right. eventually Just all electric kind of, like the general acceptance of greenness is a lot more especially on a corporate level actually uh like it's what we've that's a good actually what you pointed out alan is the difference between corporate culture then and corporate culture now is that all corporate culture now purports to be green and uh at least and actually does execute it somewhat some yeah it's a bragging point now it's like we we've achieved a certain amount of like eco stability which at the time is like who cares but in 2009, it was something as simple as like, oh, people know that maybe global warming is probably something to worry about. So we're just going to say it's like the kind of the height of when people started slapping like green and organic and whatever right. on things mm-hmm. uh, like that Viridian Dynamics ad at the beginning is pretty funny <laughs> when they're like, <laughs> yeah, we, we take care of nature, even it's when it's being a little bit mean. Um, yeah that was good uh or annoying yeah yeah I think but that was fun. but the um but the show again does have kind of like a casualness to it because also like greening things at the time i think the goal of that was so imprecise you know it was just sort of like oh yeah we'll make a rooftop garden but like why right. all natural why? <laughs> um right. why is that the focus um, exactly <laughs> i do I have to share just a quick, very short anecdote, and that's that I picked up a bag of walnuts today, Mm -hmm. uh, and I looked on the back, a bag of Kroger Simple Truth walnuts, and uh, it said, on the back it said, free from over 100 artificial chemicals. (laughs) That's so specific. They were like, when we were making these babies, (laughs) we had so many options. (laughs) <laughs> Look at all the stuff we didn't put into these walnuts. And <laughs> <That's> so <laughs> weird. These unsalted walnuts. And how, were, how were the walnuts, Arthur? Raw. Oh. They were not even roasted. <laughs> raw. Uh, raw, unsalted walnuts. Uh, that's fine. Uh, yeah, but they, they went pretty well because my roommate made, made banana bread. So. Oh, now you're you put, talking. You put now the walnuts cooking. and the banana bread? Roommate of my pod. 
Uh, mm. <laughs> roommate in Which, my what, pod. What's a, what are the initials on that roommate? Which roommate is that? Uh, that's MJ. Oh, that's MJ. That's cool. Oh, friend. Michael Jordan <laughs> is your roommate. Mary, Mary Jane from Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And that's three, and now it's a running tag. It. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, we did it. Um, Pizza time. Right. someday yep. i want to tell somebody that's talking to me and i don't feel like listening to them that i'm going through a tunnel and i can't hear them <laughs> that's so funny oh my god veronica <laughs> does that to one of the employees <laughs> that was so very well good with that delivery that's oh right. my god it was so good yeah she's just like i'm going through a tunnel. i can't hear you i'm sorry and she's just standing in front of me he's like i don't <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and it would work in real life too like if you were that worker and she was your boss and she said it with that much confidence you would like, you would not like, know what to do with yourself. Okay. Yes. It's th- uh, th- that that ties back into the sort of theme of the episode, right? Which is like it's kind of just how you say things that can convince people in these environments like yeah. what's what's a game changer and what's revolutionary and people will take any uh sort of new hip fashionable idea if it makes them sound important whether it's also it's almost anyone. like a running uh theme of the show the sort of like the tone or the the way of saying something is is more so what creates the effect than like the actual words that you say, mm-hmm. um, which is such a truism of like corporate culture. I would say, like mm-hmm. the one episode where Veronica tries to let her hair down and then she ties her hair back and she's like they're listening to the hair, or when Ted's trying to tell Linda how to be a good boss and he's like it's about tone, like people are like animals or whatever. Like mm-hmm. it's a theme that the show is returning to over and over again which i think is interesting yeah uh arthur you were gonna say something earlier i uh, forgot it's gone (laughs) i feel like i'm i'm learning as a podcaster exactly the time it takes for somebody to lose a point um sometimes i'll still go for it because some people have like really good short-term memory but then most people i'm like no you i i feel like you lost it it's fine (laughs) that's not your fault no Um, i I looked up the weather actually oh perfect (laughs) how's the weather um, well, it says uh, unhealthy for sensitive groups. Oh, uh, no. Which is kind of the new normal here oh, in no. the Los Angeles. Oh, oh. Mm. yeah. Thanks, West Coast. We love you. Um, no, I sincerely do. But it's been a bad spot right now. Um, There's some I... great Veronica lines in this one. Sorry. Yeah. To... No, oh, I remember what I was going to say now. <laughs> okay. Well, it was that... about Veronica. Okay, go ahead. Uh, uh, Portia de la... How do you say it? Portia de Rossi. De Rossi, not De La Rossi. <laughs> Portia of the Rossi. Portia de La Rossi. Uh, Portia de Rossi, I feel like if I had only seen Better Off Ted or Arrested Development, I would have said she could only be good in that role and nothing else. Mm, interesting. And now that I've seen her in both... I feel like, wow, she could only be good in either of those two roles. <laughs> <laughs> They're kind of, they have a similarity, right? Lindsay and they do. And, and um, Veronica. I mean, they're obviously different in terms of like, Lindsay is just a complete mess and like more openly self-conscious, I think. Um, but they both generally are like, this is a, gorgeous woman who like is very confident but also like cannot uh, have functional emotions in the right way right 
Um, and then it's just a difference of like how that's executed in the show. Yeah. But the difference is competency, I guess. In, in Better Off Ted, she's actually right. Like it's also uh, smart. Yeah, she she it she and she delivers things so well. Like it's so good in this series that they have Darcy as a character actress who is just it's just confidence. I think it's really just like a confidence right. and like a an energy behind your line readings that that sells everything she does. I, I know, John, you were going to reference one of her lines. I hope it's not the same one, but when she talks about hiring James Earl Jones oh, to do the a commercial. <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah, I can't I just imagine him going Jabberwocky." And you get to hear Portia <laughs> de Rossi do a flawless one-word impression of James Earl Jones. <laughs> it's like, that "Whoa, was that, was that was great." That had to be several takes. That's too good. That's way yeah, too good. She's, she's really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely appreciate her. The line that I was going to reference is when uh, she's saying that greening the building is one of the company's dreams. <laughs> and then <laughs> Ted's like, well, they aren't working towards it. And she's like, are you working towards all of your dreams, Ted? Then stop pointing <laughs> fingers. <laughs> that, uh, I felt that one. Uh, that got me. Brutal. Brutal. Bodied. Ted's yeah. dead. Ted's better off dead now. But yeah, that's I mean, that's generally where 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 this comes from. I think it's a it's a it's a very good like Veronica episode. And, uh, you know, we get a little bit of uh, uh, Phil and Lem in this. Um, I believe it's Lem who's talking about his mom a couple times and how his mom is like, I really wants him to get into Jabberwocky. And then. (laughs) uh and so both of his parents do and then at one point when they're when ted is like you guys aren't on jabberwocky it's not real and he's like when my dad hears you didn't put us on jab or my when my mom hears you didn't put us on jabberwocky she's gonna change the locks and it's like i cannot (laughs) deliver that as well as malcolm Merritt does but he it seems like genuine panic (laughs) he's like it's gonna happen now yeah i i'm curious what you guys think about those two um because there's times when i really love them a lot and there's other times when I feel like it, it, and it's less the characters and more like, I feel like the joke writing on these two isn't up to the level of some other parts of the show. That's interesting. Cause in the first half, I was kind of saying the opposite that I, but I do think it's them. It's them as actors who really mm-hmm. close the gap. Like, right. They have, I think out of everybody on the show, they have maybe the strongest mastery of their characters. Although Jay, Jay Harrington, I think, does a really great job delivering things in a very particular way that maybe goes underappreciated because he's like a straight man character. Um, I think that they're wonderful actors, but sometimes, yeah, they do sort of end up being like the joke characters in a way where right. it, like the, they're, it, they're funniest when they're good. like not trying to be the joke characters almost mm. like the mom I mean, obviously it's a joke, but the mom th- thing was so funny uh, as this running gag. Yeah. And like a thing, this episode that was less funny to me was them storming in. They're like, too mean? Uh, that that felt too mean. Like that felt too... Uh, yeah, that, was, that wasn't that like, was funny. That was also had a hint of like, why are we making jokes about the black guy being too aggressive exactly? <laughs> like yeah. That, that feels a little toned up. It's not twice that. Well, the first one was deliberately, it was in the racism episode where the joke is that he's afraid that he's being too aggressive because he's trying to appeal to stop having racist censors everywhere. But yeah. Yeah. But then in this one, it's it's the same gag, but without that context. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah. But I, I do. I mean, I think it's their most fun when you really invest in 
the fact that they like know each other inside and out and they like can almost yeah. read each other's minds and that them as best friends is is very so good. funny it's yeah. so great yeah i think them as as sort of a i guess faux couple like having friendship marital issues is is always entertaining and fun mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. uh like i want the, I... the plove stuff i was like oh that's fine you like you invented a hot plate i guess that's fine the fact that they brought it back yeah. one more time at the end really briefly, he's like, oh, did you need a plove? Do you want to put that in a plove? And it's like, okay, you, you remembered your own joke. I'm proud of you. But yeah. <laughs> Right. I, I guess, yeah, that was in this one where they had, there's like five running jokes with those two and three of them really made me laugh and two mm-hmm. of them, I was just, uh, it's back. <laughs> yeah. It's not a bad hit rate though. No. Again, yeah, the show compared to it's way more than it misses. Yeah. Compared to most of what's around or most of what was around then even. It's really funny to me that they say Jabberwocky coming in 2012. And that's the joke is like we just worked on like hyping up this project that's never going to come out. And it comes out in three years. And we are like, ha ha. <laughs> <"2012." laughs> the world right. was going to end in 2012, guys. Um, Remember there was all those like apocalypse theories and stuff. Yeah, I remember. Good yeah, times, good the, times. The Mayans. A simpler time when we thought that the world was going to end to natural causes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I really liked just my, my probably my favorite like thematic thing in this episode because I don't think that there's like a skippable episode of Better Off Ted so far, but um, you know some of them have more like thematic meat to chew on than other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, is that Linda at the end uh, kind of like applauds Ted and for bringing all the stuff to the garden and like getting the spy luminescent bugs, which is really beautiful. But what she's basically saying is she got, she's like, I'm happy you finally stole from the company for me, um, which is what she was doing at the beginning of the show, which was like not stealing things for him, but stealing things from the company. So right. it's actually in line with her character so far and showing growth between the two of them. Then now he's like, oh, I can steal things for you. I can like, you know, right. divert funds for you. So he cares about her more than just having a crush and thinking about her sexually like he was in the beginning. Now he's like oh, I actually want to further your goals in life. That's a good point. This is yeah. a very different Ted than the one who, when she was stealing creamer, he went out and like, bought creamer himself. Right, and refilled <laughs> the bowl. Yeah. To refill the bowl, yeah. Um, I, I was sort of bothered that that was so wrapped up in her being like, wow, you stole from the company for me. You're my thief in shining armor. Like, oh, Ted, like this sort of, I don't know, hetero chivalry stuff was just a little weird but um i agree with you that i like that ted is going in that direction Mm -hmm. and sort of seeing like you can bend the rules and be human and do the right thing um even if it's um, not the right thing for in the eyes of the company right i thought it was funny the uh (laughs) it's not often that you see like a hug interrupted the same way a kiss is interrupted. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah. I did. I found that very funny when they're about like they're like they come in for a hug the way two people would come in for a kiss and be interrupted. And then they're like, Oh, when someone comes in, mm-hmm. uh, I thought that was kind of a, a subtle fun twist. Yeah. And also trope. that she's like, if we're about to hug, you're starting it. Which is like also kind of like you know in a sexier moment it would be like are we about to kiss right now? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is funny. I wonder. We, I we, wonder what happens to these crazy kids. 
I hope. Yeah, I hope they. Get, I mean, they're gonna get together. We know that for a fact. Well, you never know. Um, I you were talking about the credits cutting off awkwardly for you. Um, I like missed this entire gag about the Japanese office. Can somebody explain what was going on there to me? Oh, okay. In the post credits tag. Right. Uh, is this me? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're speaking. Go for it. Yeah, go for it. Sure, I am talking already. Um, the okay, so at the end, uh, corporate is so excited about the Jabberwocky project that they ship it to uh, Japan to fast track it, the, like their Japan office, mm-hmm. and it's a subtitled scene between uh, the Japanese lab team and the Japanese administrator, and he hands him a file and has one piece of paper in it. He's like, here, here's your new project, the Jabberwocky project. And the lab guy's like, uh, is there anything missing? And he's like, no, that's the whole thing. Duh, obviously. Uh, don't you know? Don't you know? And he's like, oh, yeah, I just think it would have been even better with an additional page. But it's great how it is. Uh, and then the scene ends. Oh, okay. That's not hysterical. But I, I, I'm looking back at it and it's like, okay, that's fun that we got... It, remind reminding us that Verdian Dynamics has a Japanese branch. I guess I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think it would have been funnier if the episode before that had gone in a different direction, like we had talked about. Right, 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 right. right. But it was yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I got for this episode. Do we have any other stray notes or thoughts? No, I I was kind of surprised that this is one of the more referenced ones when people talk about their favorite episodes of Better Off Ted. Um. I do think that the like project actually being fake is just a great concept, like on paper. It's a very, sell mem- that very memorable premise, yeah. Yeah, but like the fact that this episode is talked about in the same breath as the racism one, I'm like, mm, one of these is very funny, and one of these is like doing it. It's it's okay. Hmm. So. Right. I think it's just very conceptual again, so it's very easy to pitch. Yes. Yeah. If you're telling your friend about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is an episode where they come up with a plan and. It's not a real plan, and everyone believes them, and it's funny. You should watch it. It's on Netflix. Please <laughs> binge it. <laughs> but that's what we got, Magellan. Can you um, do me a favor and okay. uh, tell me what we're watching next time on Better Off Chats? Please? Okay, well, sure. Well, next time we are going to close out our coverage of Better Off Ted Season 1 by talking about Episode 13 of Season 1. Episode 13 is entitled Secrets and Lives. Well, Not lies, but lives. A new Viridian invention accidentally reveals Veronica's secret life. I mean, that just sounds good. That just sounds fantastic. Yeah, that sounds good. She Veronica-centric? Like a... I'm into it. I'm into yeah, it. she must have like a secret family or something. That sounds God, I hope fun. so. I actually have not watched that yet in either of my watches of the show. Oh, man. Yeah, now's the time. I hope we get new outfits in season two. I'm not trying to say like, I hope, you know, new theme song and like new character. Like this is not one (laughs) of those kind of dramas, but I want like new outfits. That's a simple ask. Yeah. Kind of like an anime way where. Exactly like an anime way where it's the mecha and they're 24 episodes in and. I'm I'm pulling for new hair. I'd love to see some new hair. New hair. Same color scheme, new clothes. That's what we want. Mm. It's all the same colors. That's the fifteenth chapter of my memoir, Arthur. It's called "Same Color Scheme, New Clothes," (laughs) (laughs) and uh, you'll have to read it to find out what it's about. Um, But thank you, Arthur, for joining us on this half of the episode and and for sticking through uh, some some snafus. But we made it through it. Yeah, it's the it's the snafus that make 
Life we're worth snapping. Yeah, no, it was great to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, would you like to plug anything? And also, would you have uh, by any chance a chat some for us the, in the dear listeners? Uh, That's the recommendation thing I talked about before. Right, right, right. I, f- I fairly forgot to think about Okay, one. just okay. tell us about your podcast, <laughs> and then we'll plug okay. our podcast, and then we'll all do our chat sums together as a family. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that sounds good. Then I'll, okay. yeah, I'll have something by then. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I have a podcast also, um, which Magellan and Alan were just on. Um, it's called Full Metal Analysts, and it is a episode by episode watch through of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, the anime. Uh, it's it's really fun. It's it's turned into something that I really like and enjoy and. Uh, it's me and two other writers from USC, and we have all kinds of cool guests. Uh, we're having a UFC fighter on soon, hmm. which hmm. is going to be pretty <laughs> wild and fun. Uh, voice actors, uh, YouTubers. It's just going to be, it's a good time. So hop on over. You can follow us at, at FM Analysts, uh, or you can follow me on Twitter at Arthur Eula. It's I- Arthur I-U-L-A. I-U-L-A. There you go. Thank you. Dope. Uh, if you want to, uh, if you want to, you know, follow this show that you're already listening to, and you want to hear all the plugs for us, uh, you can get in touch with us on social in a couple ways. You can email us chatspot at gmail.com with your questions, comments, uh, whatever suggestions, anything like that. You can follow us and DM us on Twitter at chatspod. And you can also join a group of listeners listening through old episodes of Chats, a television podcast over at our subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash chatspod. All of those are spelled C-H-A-T-Z-P-O-D. But if you want to support the show in a financial way, you can do so over at our Patreon, patreon.com slash chatspod. And you can back us at one, three, or five dollars a month. One dollar is pretty much the, hey, I like you guys tier, and we'll do some sort of random bonus episodes at that tier here and then uh i also have um my ongoing solo coverage of the x files called the chats files that's available at a dollar at three dollars a month you get access to our regular three times per month uh bonus content which could include us piloting new shows us doing other sort of discussions or us doing movie commentaries and then at five dollars a month you get access to all of the backlog of patreon stuff you get most of it at three dollars but all of it at five and um there might be some things that we do just for five dollar people we're not really settled on that but five dollars is mostly like you love us a lot and you like to support us and we appreciate it so that's the patreon and then we always end episodes of chats by by opening up the jar the pickle jar the chatsoms jar uh, Arthur, these are called chatsums because Vlasic, you know, Vlasic pickles. Mm-mm. Vlasic pickles. Oh, my God. You know Snackums? Oh, I know Snackums. <laughs> Hell, yeah. So we decided to name our little media recommendations chatsums because they're the Vlasic Snackums of uh, our, our podcast coverage here. So who who wants to take the first chatsum for this week for the folks? Alan, you want to do it? I do want to do it. I'd love to. Okay. Um, so mine's twofold. Both of them are related to music, um, but I can be 
uh, expeditious here. Uh, one of them, I've been catching up now that I'm really caught up on podcasts because rightfully all of my regular weekly podcasts are slowing down releases due to other things going on. Um, so I'm listening to albums from 2020 that I stopped listening. Basically, I was going through, I sorted my Spotify album list by order of release. And for some reason, everything I added from March onwards, I just haven't touched. I don't know what's been going on since Weird, March. I, huh? That's funny. I, I, I don't know. It's a it's a mystery. If anyone knows why me, I stopped listening to music in March, please just text me or something. I, don't, I won't give you my number, but text me. <laughs> um, and uh, the the first one, not the first one, but the, definitely the best standout uh, from that batch of albums uh, was by an artist who I just discovered recently after a lot of hype called, named Rina Sawayama. Um, she is a really unique and cool artist. Um, kind of hard to classify genre-wise. Her newest album, it's called Sawayama, S-A-W-A-Y-A-M-A, on all caps, um, is kind of every genre. There's like some heavy metal in there. There's some like Carly Rae Jepsen pop. There's some like techno. It's a little electronic. There's some more progressive alt rock. It's all over the place. It's very hard hitting, energizing. It really like galvanized me last week and got me moving around more around the office and I loved it. I honestly like forgot how good music can be um, this year outside of K-pop. Hello. <laughs> but um, definitely check out Rina Sawayama um, if you haven't already because uh, she's doing really cool stuff. And um, speaking of music criticism, um, part of the reason I don't like I, I listen to plenty of music, but I, I struggle to like come up with good words to talk about it critically mm-hmm. is I just don't I don't have a lot of experience with like reading music crit outside of the occasional pitchfork review and i used to watch uh what's his fucking face anthony fan fan phantasmo on youtube um anthony fantano i think but yeah i found a music critic recently on youtube who i'm really uh i'm really into her her writing style her youtube channel is just called mera m-e-r-a um and she does k-pop critique um specifically from a western perspective and it's like a queer western perspective so obviously just be aware of that but i love 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 the way that she can describe songs and describe a mood that you didn't think you had um in a way that's like honestly pretty poetic um perfect example she was talking about the newest blackpink uh record and specifically the song lovesick girls and at one point in her review she describes it as like i can't get the wording exactly right but like moving to new york by yourself you're a lonely girl you're just off of your first breakup and you're crying on the roof because he left you and you know that you deserve better and you're in your best outfit and all your makeup melted off and it's like oh shit <laughs> like <laughs> oh god nobody in my life has literally experienced that but everyone can kind of feel that emotion and i think it's a really useful it's a specific way but a really useful way to talk about music especially when it's like not in your native language to be like oh this is how it makes me feel um so definitely check her stuff out if you're into sort of like less traditional criticism and and want to try something new um her channel is called mera yeah uh arthur you have one uh yeah so uh it's actually funny you mentioned reyna because uh i know reyna not from her music but by her presence as a host of uh terrace house oh um, shit really That's yeah so <laughs> yeah uh and she's great she's awesome she like provides 
if it is indeed the Reina that I'm thinking of. I don't know. There's two pop stars called Reina, but uh, yeah, she's she's really fun and funny also as a person. Oh no, it's not the same one. Ah, shoot! Damn it! I'm gonna give you points though. I don't know what the points do, but you can spend them at any local Walmart. <laughs> really? Do I yeah. just? Go up to any employee. Just say yes. I have points. I have Reina points, and then they'll know what you're talking about. Look for Bill. Okay, cool. Look he for Bill. <laughs> He's in any Walmart. Uh, <laughs> at different I'm sure times. if at any Walmart you just shouted Bill. Hey, Bill. Someone would look. Someone. Bill. Yeah. So you get someone. Yeah. All right. Okay. So forget all that. Terrace House, good show. <laughs> yes. So I've been. Uh, I just finished reading fifth season by nk jameson which i thought was really good Um, what's it about it's a fantasy it's the opening is really cool because it talks about how this is the story of the end of the world and how the world has ended before and you know, and things regrow and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the end is never really the end. Except this is the story of the last time that the world ends, which I thought was a really cool, a really cool way to open a book. And it is a, uh, it is a fantasy book with like a really interesting uh, magic system where it's sort of geology based, where people can sense uh, the earth and, and manipulate the earth and uh, but at the same time it gets into other interesting themes because those people are really ostracized and often murdered by as soon as people discover that they have these powers and the the first book is divided into three different characters um, all sort of at different uh, different life stages. It seems like totally different times uh, in the world. And one of the characters doesn't have a name that you know mm-hmm. because it is entirely in second person, which is Ooh. a gimmick that I actually kind of hate <laughs> normally. Mm. But this book does it so well that it made me like it. Uh, and... Yeah, it, it's cool to read, you know, fantasy, a book in the fantasy genre that is, like, by a uh, black author and, like, uses that in in a cool way and uh, won a bunch of awards and it's really good. You should read it. And there's a twist Ooh. that I can't tell you, oh. but Twisty. it's sort of... Spicy. It's a twist in the whole thing of what the book is i love is this very cool i um i read we read an nk jameson short story on an old pod now no longer with us podcast no longer with us i don't know how words work we read another we read another nk jameson short story on fireside friends the now defunct podcast that i used to host with some other friends um and we almost had her on the podcast we like oh, the cool. scheduling the scheduling didn't work out but yeah NK is also a really great like Twitter follow, and she's like a Twitch streamer she's and stuff. Very good. Um, she's really cool, and I I, I wholeheartedly rec- I, I I co-recommend anything by her. So yeah, very cool. The fifth uh, season, she's great. Fifth season, NK Jameson. Uh, the other thing I just read was Devil in the White City. 
which is, if you like historical nonfiction, just a, a rollicking good time about the Chicago uh, Columbian World Exposition in 1898, and also H.H. H. Holmes, the murderer who built his big famous murder hotel and murdered people throughout the whole fair. Wow. Uh, yeah. Oh, have you not read that, Magellan? No, I've had it recommended to me many times. Eric Larson, baby! Yeah. I've had it recommended um, to me, but I haven't read it. So those are two books that I've had recommended to me multiple times over many years and finally just read uh, this past month. Nice. So I recommend them both. Sweet. Um, and show, I recommend the anime Space Brothers, which I've been re-watching. Uh, and it's... It's super fun. It's the most understated anime that I've ever seen. It's just about two brothers who in space. Uh, want to go to space. Even, oh. and they're just like signing up for NASA and going through training. And it's about the older, the younger brother is already an astronaut, and the older brother feels left behind and wants to live up to his younger brother and and stay ahead. And he's such a lovable yet like completely flawed protagonist like he's kind of like a little bit petty and jealous but i've it's rare that you see a protagonist like that who you also like really have a lot of affection for so mm-hmm. space brothers i dig it is that a three-peat is that the first legendary chats guest three-peat that's incredible arthur really the triple chats him yeah. wow, cool um, I've got a quick one, just well, just one this time around. Um, it's for a YouTube channel called Girlfriend Reviews, and uh, the premise is that it's a it's this woman who does uh, video reviews of like kind of video essays almost, I guess, um, of the backseat gaming experience, watching her boyfriend play various games. But they like make the videos together, and it's really adorable, and she's really funny, and they're both really funny, um, and they're they're quick. They're like ten minute things, and you're like, oh, I'll watch another, I'll watch another, and then you'll watch the whole channel's worth of stuff in like a week, and then you'll be sad. So, girlfriend reviews is good. Cool. Wow. Yeah. Sounds cool. It's fun. Oh wow! I just found out what they look like. I've never done a. F- I've never watched a face reveal video before this in my life. <laughs> Holy crap! You ever think people just look the way you think they do? Wow. Yeah, they they do look exactly <laughs> like you think they would look. Wow! Very cool. Yeah. Um, the guy looks like a default if you hit random on a character creator. Oh name. come on! <laughs> oh, come on! He's a cute guy. He's cute enough. Um, <laughs> he'll do for now. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, guys, thank you again for all the wonderful chat sims. Thank you to Arthur for joining us on this episode of Chats Pod. Chat the Chats Pod. Better off chats. Arthur. Uh, oh, that. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was looking at girlfriend reviews. Uh yeah. You're welcome for being here and thank you guys for having me. It was yeah. super fun. Awesome. For sure. Um, thank you as always to Magellan for being the rock to my hard place, especially now more than ever. Uh, good luck out there everyone take care of yourselves stay safe and thank you for listening to this episode of better off chats peace Fuck!
Fuck Donald Trump.